But if not, like I said, we'll be in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. 1 Thessalonians 3, we're going to look at the first, first eight verses of the chapter there. It says this, uh, yeah. Uh, 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 3, verse 1, Wherefore, when we could no longer forbear, we thought it good to be left at Athens alone and sent Timotheus, our brother and minister of God and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ to establish you and to comfort you concerning your faith, that no man uh, should be removed by these afflictions, for yourselves know that we are appointed thereunto. For verily... When we were with you, we told you before that we should suffer tribulation, even as it came to pass, and ye know. For this cause, when I could no longer forbear, I sent to you, or I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter have tempted you, and our labor be in vain. But now when Timotheus came uh, from uh, you unto us, and brought us good tidings of your faith and charity, and that ye have good remembrance of us always, desiring greatly to see us, as we also to see you. Therefore, brethren, we are comforted over you in all our affliction and distress by your faith. Uh, for now we live if ye stand fast in the Lord. Lord, we thank you so much for your word tonight. We thank you for its truth. Thank you for being with us in the midst tonight of our, this uh, small gathering here. But Lord, I pray that you would richly bless us tonight with your word, Lord, that you would encourage us, strengthen us, help us tonight. Lord, we thank you for all things. And in Jesus' name we pray, and amen. amen. So Paul uh, first visited Thessalonica in Acts chapter 17, uh, and the Bible says he was only able to be there to teach for three Sabbath days. So just for three short weeks, uh, but they were seeing such a move of God. So many Jews were turning to Jesus Christ that they just started to riot, basically. That's the story you get in Acts, uh, because too many were coming to know the Lord. Uh, and in uh, chapter 1, verse 6 of the book, it says, it tells us that they received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost. Uh, uh, so you, you think of what was going on there. You know, anytime, like I said this morning, anytime we see a great move of God, uh, no matter it's, if it's in the schoolhouse or in a workplace or in a home or in a church, if there's a great move of God, you can expect uh, the devil is going to be after it. He'll, it'll go for a little while, but what, you know, it's no different than when you're driving down the road, you see a big old column of smoke, you know, there's a fire there and that's what starts to happen. The more uh, people were coming to the Lord, the more that were being added to the church uh, out of uh, false worship and out of false religion and, and just uh, in and of themselves, just away from God, uh, the more that started coming, they, they just started to intimidate uh, and it caused uh, Paul uh, to leave. They took him out of there and he was in Athens uh, for a while after that. And it says that as he was in Athens at the beginning of the chapter, it says that he sent Timothy, young Timothy, to this young church. And he's got two purposes I want us to look at in verse 2. Uh, he said, uh, uh, our brother and minister of God and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ. Number one, he says to establish you. And then number two, and to comfort you concerning your faith. So here's the thing. We know this, that our society today is hostile 
child of the Bible. We know, I mean, we don't even have to talk about that for very long. You try to live biblically. You try to tell people about the Jesus of the Bible, not the invented Jesus or the, uh, the one that they want, but the real Jesus. Uh, and, and they, the, the society doesn't like it. Well, in those days, the big problem was the Jews. It was their uh, religion that didn't want Jesus. They had, uh, so what happened is anyone turned to Jesus, any move of Jesus, they were going to bring persecution so they could intimidate, so they could try to shut it down, so they could get people. Uh, uh, but today, I don't think we're seeing as much uh, of a false religion push as we're just seeing a push of persecution, a pushback of people who just want to live wickedly. I mean, they just want to live a, a sinful lifestyle. And, and what's, what's crazy is you think about it, they want to live liquid, wickedly. And that same crowd is the crowd today that preaches acceptance and preaches love and everything else. That, that, I mean, that's what they, and diversity, uh, which means a range of opinions, by the way, uh, that's what they're saying. Uh, but then they can't accept a Christian. Right? They just can't. Whether it's at the workplace, uh, what happens? The Christian's at the workplace, and if it's a true Christian person living righteously, they're not going to cheat. They're not going to steal from the employer. They're going to be trustworthy. They're going to do the work that they're paid to do and everything else. They're going to be basically a good employee. But the problem is, when we come in there, we don't want to partake in the foolishness and their, their filthy language and their alcohol and everything else. Well, we don't want to partake in that. For some reason and, and it, it just kind of escapes uh, me why this is true but suddenly we become a threat at work and suddenly we become hostile and I've heard some of them today that it's 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 almost as if we're they equate it to us physically abusing them it's like are you crazy you're crazy but that's what this world is today, right? They they want to push affliction, make life harder for us. You can see it at work, uh, but not just that, but at home, uh, you know, or maybe in uh, with. Uh, Family members, you might have run into that where, uh, you know, you've got a family member that is bought into all the ideology of this world and, and just your existence makes them angry. You know, I don't, I don't understand. Yeah, I, I've even seen it like this with neighbors. You got two different neighbors. One's a Christian, one's not. And the one that's a Christian is not doing anything worthy uh, of them being mad. But just the fact that you're a Christian, what happens? They're just angry with you. They don't want to live with you. You know, suddenly you're a problem in the neighborhood and everything else. Why? Because you're just trying to uh, raise a home. You're just trying to uh, do things fairly and, and love your uh, spouse and everything else. But like I said, it, it threatens their existence. They're, they're mad about it. They're hating as if we're preventing them to live their life. I'll tell you what, there is nothing we are doing. Think about this tonight. We're here tonight. We're gathered here together. What are we honestly doing preventing this world from doing any kind of sin they want to do right now? Nothing. But they look at us and they see righteousness and it reminds them that there is a God, whether they want to acknowledge him or not, there is a God. And then they realize you just can't live how you want to live. Now, they won't admit it, but they know it. Why? Because it's in our very nature. God built us that way, our conscience and everything else. But it, for somehow we're attacking them just how we live. 
So we see it all the time. We're just trying to work hard and uh, and, and just to do things the right way, but we end up being a, a thorn in this world's flesh even without even talking to them about the Lord. And then it gets even worse when we talk to them about the Lord. But the church in Thessalonica, they had all of those problems uh, that we have today. But then on top of that, they were a young church. Remember, they only had Paul for three weeks. That was it. Uh, planting the church. Uh, so Paul, uh, a little bit later, sends Timothy to, uh, number one, he first wants to establish them in the faith. Because here's the thing. In times of persecution, there is that compromise to give in. Right there, or that, there's that temptation to compromise. That's what the devil wants us to do, and that's why we're seeing a lot of these denominations that used to be on fire for the Lord, that used to have great revivals, that used to preach the truth, are are so far gone. I mean, go to any in the middle of any town, look at a church, and count the number of rainbow flags you see. The bigger the town, the more you find. And a lot of those denominations used to preach the truth. But what happened? There was some pushback from this world. And instead of standing firm, they gave in. And once you start giving in, you'll keep giving in. Because once you let one thing go, you'll just keep going and going and going until you get to a point where it is nothing like it used to be. In fact, they, they, they I'm almost saying their, their, their theme or whatever, but they, uh, not only do they have the flag out front, you look at the sign and what do they say? We're open. Open, affirming, and everything else. You know what that means? You can walk in with any kind of sin that we like, and you'll be accepted, right? It's sad. That's not Bible. But that lessens the attack for a period. And this is what the devil does. He'll say, you know what? If you just allow this, well, I'll stop pushing on you. Well, he just pauses for a minute and then he'll attack again. And he'll attack again until finally you get to something that's not even uh, anywhere remotely close to a church standing on the Bible. And then they start to fall apart. It, it, that's what we're seeing over and over again. Well, that same thing that we're seeing in these denominations, that can happen to a house. That can happen to an individual Christian that does the same thing. You keep giving in and you'll find yourself so far away from the Bible because you can't use the Bible to do that. I listen to them take some of the verses that are clearly against some of the sins of today and they are just tying themselves into knots and saying, well, it meant this, but not that and everything else. And I'm like, my goodness, if as many, which is much not tying as you put in this verse, I, if you did that on any other verse that talks about heaven, I wouldn't have any, we wouldn't have any security, would we? It's just sad, but they've given it up. You can marry anybody, right? That's today. Any no matter what gender can marry, uh, divorce can be any reason or no reason at all. Uh, whatever, you know, you, you, uh, you, start preaching on that and there'd be people mad and everything else so they just lay off of it so people aren't offended but that's not the truth and the bible uh, says these things for a reason god put these things in there for a reason because sin is destructive 
Amen? That's what we're seeing. It's destructive. Whether it's a church or an individual, and sin brings lasting consequences. Sin hurts children. That's what we see when parents make sinful decisions, then the children are, are paying for that. And I'm not saying that God can't break a generational curse. He can. Amen? But I'm telling you, the devil gets so much ground on some of these because like uh, David was saying this morning, or someone else was saying this morning, uh, that they're asking kids, uh, uh, you know, what? who who is Jesus' parents? They don't even know, or simple things from the Bible. They've never heard of it. And that's sad today, but that is because there are a lot of parents have decided, you know, my, my parents took me to church, but I'm not going to make my kids, uh, uh, I'm not going to force them into just anything like that. I'm telling you what, you don't bring your kids to church. You are forcing the devil all over their life because he's there. He's ready these negative consequences and we know because of the bible that sin always leads to death we cannot compromise we can't even when the world uh, uh, starts attacking us even when they say the bible is hate speech and everything else the more the persecution comes the more we must be established and that's why paul sent timothy he said hey you've got to make sure they're established in the truth grounded in God's word. And then once you do that, what's he say? To establish you, then he says, and to comfort you concerning your faith. He goes on and he says, hey, once they're established, and that that has to come first, then the comfort comes, the encouragement comes by Timothy. And Paul says, I want you to have both. Because if he encouraged without establishing, what does that do? That could lead you going into the wrong direction. The world is great at this. They will, you say, I, I want to do this with my life. No matter how ridiculous, no matter how sinful, no matter how destructive, this world will encourage you all the way over the cliff. Right? That's encouragement without uh, without establishment. And that's so it, it can't happen. And then establishing without comfort, uh, that works for a robot. But what about when life gets hard? They're under persecution. They need encouragement and establishing. They need it both. We've got to do these things in love. And I, it made me wonder, just before Timothy got there, I bet there was at least one or two people or families or whatever that were this close to giving up, saying, I can't take it anymore, right? I, I just can't, uh, what I'm going through at work, what, what I'm going through over here, the friends that have gotten, uh, that won't speak to me, the family that won't speak to me anymore because I've turned to Jesus Christ, I'm about to give up. And then Timothy walks in the door and he starts establishing them, reminding them, uh, and then he starts encouraging them. And, and you never know if they were about to quit, uh, but because of Timothy, they are like, you know what, we can go another mile. And that's the same thing when we come together who knows if that testimony that song uh, that thing that you share the hug the whatever uh, helps a brother and sister in the Lord to stay strong in the faith that's why he's put us together 
That's why he's brought us together. Because staying strong in the faith is not easy. We are swimming upstream is what we're doing. We are going against the current. uh, But I'm glad that we can be encouraging and comforting. And we can help each other along the way. And I'll tell you what, that's one of the reasons why I love this church. Because there have been many times where I faced difficulty. Many times where I just, it didn't, you know, you're in a trial and it just feels like there's no end. And then you would be encouraged. You'd be strengthened. You'd be comforted. You'd be reminded uh, from a brother or sister through God's word of why we're here. This is why we're fighting. This is why we're going against the world. It's not for nothing. It is for Jesus Christ. And I'm thankful for that. It keeps us going. But he said in verse three, that no man should be moved by these afflictions for yourselves. Know that we appointed, we were appointed thereunto. He said, uh, Paul didn't want any of them to be moved or shaken or giving up or giving in or losing heart. He wanted them to hold fast in every trial and every persecution and every storm. And he's saying, he says, hey, those afflictions, those pressures, those storms, the tension at work, uh, uh, whatever you're going through today, uh, all of those times are all to be expected. That's what he's saying right there. Right? We know the verse that's appointed unto men once to die. He's saying we are appointed unto afflictions. We will have storms and trials. I mean, take that for the health and wealth preachers. Right? Once you get saved, everything's great. Uh, no, we're going to have storms. In fact, Jesus said, John 16, These things have I spoken unto you that ye might have peace in the world. Ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. There's no way around it. There's no way, uh, you know, Sister Irma said he, he'll either, he'll bring you through it if he doesn't take it away. Amen. He'll get you through it. We just have to stick with Jesus Christ, stick close to one another, pray, stick to his word and everything else. Uh, Brooke loves to share Exodus 14, 14. The Lord shall fight for you and ye shall hold your peace. That's hard to do, isn't it? Right. And some of these afflictions, some of these trials, especially when it's another person, especially when it's online. You know, that was that sometimes makes it even harder where we have to stop. And sometimes not say anything and just let the Lord deal with it. You know, the Lord can see ahead in time. And he can tell whether that person will eventually come to him or whether that person won't. We can't tell that, right? All we see is a sinner that's mad at us. But what they are is they can be a cane, right? They're really mad at God and they're taking it out on us. Amen. Aren't you glad the Lord can take care of it and he can touch their soul. Either, either he will give them patience and they'll turn to him or he'll have patience and mercy and they'll turn to him or it'll be vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord one way or the other. The Lord can take care of it. Then verse four, what did he say? Paul said, for verily when we were with you, we told you before that we should suffer tribulation even as it came to pass and ye know my mind you know Paul's saying when I was there when I was preaching the gospel to you when we were witnessing to you we told you persecution would come we told you that and my goodness there's a lot of preachers today that would say I can't believe Paul would have told him that how how's he going to win people to the Lord 
Well, what good is it to win them to the Lord and not warn them of what's coming? We got to count the cost. Amen. You, that's what Jesus said. You want to be my disciple. You got to count the cost. Just like if you're building a tower, you, you got to add up the cost. He said, here's the cost. You take up your cross and you follow me. That means I'm going to take up my cross first and then we follow Jesus. We see the cross as some nice decoration. They saw it as a Roman torture uh, method to kill somebody. Take up the cross. Yeah, it's going to cost. But aren't you glad it's worth it? Amen. Amen. That light affliction that we suffer in this earth. The Bible talks about in a moment when we see Jesus, that light affliction will be nothing. It'll be gone. It will cost us to be a Christian. Paul didn't sugarcoat the gospel. He didn't preach health and wealth. He gave them the truth so that they could decide whether they were ready and they were going to go for it. Verse 5, For this cause, when I could no longer forbear, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter uh, have tempted you and our labor be in vain. Paul was worried about them because he only got to spend a couple weeks with them. And you think about, imagine going someplace uh, with that doesn't have the gospel. You share it with them. You have some converts. Three weeks later, you leave and there's no one really to leave it with other than the new converts. He was worried about that. He said, I've got to send Timothy uh, urgently. He's got to do this. Even though Timothy could have been and stayed with Paul and helped Paul where he was at. But you know, one of the tactics of the devil, you've probably seen this before. Is the devil likes to go after believers that are suffering afflictions, right? He went after Job, didn't he? He was hoping that Job would curse God and die. Just like his wife was saying, that's what he hoped. And the devil will use a tragedy, he'll use a storm, he'll use pain, he'll use anything to try to get us to compromise or try us to get to quit. And that's what Paul was saying, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what's going to happen once the trial hits. So he sends Timothy, verse 6, But when uh, Timotheus came from you to, unto us and brought us good tidings of your faith and charity, and that ye have uh, good remembrance of us, always desiring greatly to see us, as we also to see you, uh, Timothy came back, he visited, he brought back word to Paul, and he said, Hey, their faith is strong, they haven't given up. Yes, they're undergoing persecution, but they're still with us. In fact, they want to see us soon, they want to see you soon. And I tell you what, Paul, who is going through through afflictions himself who is going through pain and being buffeted by the devil uh, and with the grace of God sufficient to allow him to continue I tell you what when he received that word that fueled him that blessed him to carry on verse 7 therefore brethren we have comforted we were comforted over you in all our affliction and distress by your faith he said you know what the devil's been hitting me too but as soon as I got word back I wasn't even thinking about the problems that I had he was praising God over that report. And how many times do we ask ourselves, those of us that are doing God's will, walking by faith, how many times do we ask ourselves, is it worth it? Is it worth it? Is it worth coming in the evening? Is it worth putting all this work together? Is it worth all the time and effort for VBS and other things? Is it worth it? And Paul, I'm sure, would ask that from time to time. But every once in a while, the Lord sends back a letter with Timothy just like this. And it gives us this. And he says, you know what? It is worth it. 
We are going to keep going, praise God. This is, God is doing things. We get these reminders. And then verse 8, I like this one. For now we live if you stand fast in the Lord. You see what it's saying? They were comforted. But you know what? One of the other temptations of the devil, he loves to do this. When you're in the trial, when you're in the affliction, he loves to try to remind you of your old life. But notice he only reminds you of the good parts, right? The times you had fun or whatever. He reminds you that. He doesn't remind you of the problems. But that's what he's doing, right? For now we live. Paul's saying, hey, don't let the devil tell you that before was a good life. Before we were saved, we were not living. We were dead in our trespasses and sin. We were a dead man walking, right? Not only were we were dead, but we were spiritually blind walking in darkness. And not only were we spiritually blind, we thought everything was going great. We were deceived. We were deceived, dead, and walking in darkness. That's what we got to remind the devil. No, the life that we have is now in Jesus Christ. And that's what Paul, I believe, is telling him. Hey, don't you listen to the devil about your old life. Uh, now uh, you are alive. Now we're walking in light. Now, for now we live. No matter what happens in this life, we have eternal life. And we're never more alive than when we stand fast for the Lord in opposition to this world. And I'm thankful. I'm thankful. He says not to forsake the assemblings of yourselves together. And I can't remember the last part exactly, but it's basically as you see the day approaching. As we're seeing the day approaching, as it's getting nearer to the end. I need each one of you more than more, I'm figuring out. Amen. As the problems keep coming, as uh, uh, health issues, different things happen uh, over across the sanctuary. I, we need each other more and more. And I'm glad that's why God has put us together. Brooks' grandpa who's been in heaven quite a few years. He used to say that verse fitly framed. He said, God's put us together and we fit exactly the way we need to be. And I'm thankful for that. I'm glad. But that encouragement from Thessalonica, which is amazing, that in just three weeks and then they had to rush out of there, God could establish a church. You know what that tells me? All it took was... Paul and his group to just be obedient to the Lord, to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, to be faithful. And all it took for that young church is to, is to stick with it. Timothy came and helped them. And I tell you what, what a blessing. And that encouraged Paul to go on and to continue. That is the picture of the good things that God can do. And I'm thankful for it tonight. We're going to open up.